You're listening to the Savvy Painter Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Savvy Painter Podcast, the podcast for artists who mean business. Here's your host, Andrese Wood. Andy Evanson is on the show today. Andy is a watercolorist who started his career in medical illustration. He took the leap into painting for himself after leading up the Minnesota Watercolor Society and later landing on the cover of American Artists Watercolor Magazine. He's taught workshops throughout the United States and in Europe, China, and Mexico. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like for you when you first launched your painting career? I guess I, I got started just because, because of the fact that as a medical illustrator, when I was in training, I was in art school and was still kind of hands-on with airbrushes and pen and ink and colored pencil and all that. And not to date myself, but eventually the computers took over and I started doing all my medical work on the computer in Photoshop. So I missed the the painting aspect and I've always been drawn to watercolor. So I took a couple of workshops early on and, and just started painting on my own time and joined a local group here in Minnesota, the Minnesota Watercolor Society. And just kind of slowly started winning some awards locally and getting asked to teach little community college workshops and stuff, and it kind of snowballed from there. Nice, nice. When you were doing that, was there something that you felt like pushed your own artwork from sort of the discovery phase, or I don't want to really want to say like an amateur level, because I know... Oh, go ahead. You had your own. <laughs> 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 Okay, so from that amateur level into something that you felt like, I'm a professional, this is what I'm doing, and I'm a watercolorist, I'm a painter. Boy, that's a good question. I think, I mean, we're always learning, obviously, and as artists, we're all all our own worst critics, and we never feel like we've really arrived, so I hate to go down that road, but I think, you know, once I did finally get accepted in the American Watercolor Society, that was a big turning point for me. It's a little bit of validation, you know, to be recognized by a group like that. And then the magazine articles, every time one of those magazine articles came out, I would get asked to teach more and more, and you start getting a lot of feedback from people about how much they, they like your work and have learned from from studying your paintings. And that's kind of how I started, too, by studying the paintings of people like Trevor Chamberlain and Joseph's Bookvich and Alvaro Castanier, some of the great watercolors of our time. And so I guess that when you start hearing feedback like that, kind of makes you think, yeah, maybe this watercolor thing will work out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not half bad at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like I said, there's still a lot to learn. I just saw the, I was in San Francisco and saw the Anders Zorn exhibit and looking at his watercolors. And every time you think you got it figured out, something comes along and makes you realize, yeah, I've got a long ways to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's why we're artists or why we are so passionate about what we do is because you're you're never done. You know, you're never there's there is always something that you want to master or that you have to say. It's true. Yep. And like I said, as soon as you start getting overconfident, that's when you'll just start <laughs> screwing up paintings like crazy. I just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I did a painting about seven times. I just I kept starting it and, you know, screwing something up and wait, watercolor is a one shot go, so I tear it up and started to re- redraw it and started again and that hasn't happened to me for a long time normally I, I get to the point now where you know maybe once or twice if I have to start a painting over again but 
boy, that was so frustrating. And it just makes you realize watercolor's in charge, not me. Yeah, yeah it's really, it's, it's very spontaneous in the way that it reacts to the paper and the way the pigments react, but it's also just completely unforgiving. It is. And that's the way I like to treat it, too. I like to take advantage of that. I don't I don't use, you know, liquid frisket or anything to mask out areas. I try and just paint around areas. I paint pretty fast. I try to finish a painting always the same day I, I start it, if, you know, usually within a few hours, just to maintain that direct, fresh approach that... Mm-hmm. Uh, so nice with watercolor so and can i ask you about that experience of tearing tearing up this painting seven times and and restarting it um do you're you, gonna make me relive that i'm gonna make you i'm gonna just torture you with it and go over every single detail That's funny. <laughs> no but I'm, I'm curious about that when you you know when you're kind of on a streak and then all of a sudden it's just like what is going on yeah. Do you feel like it's something that maybe you're learning or is it not enough sleep or what did you kind of take away from that? What do you attribute that to? Um, boy, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was. I was I felt very strongly about the painting. I actually did a version of it. I just got done teaching a workshop and I did a little demo of the painting real fast. And it turned out nice, but there were just a few things I didn't like about the sky or whatever. So I figured I'd try and repaint it in the studio and take a little more time and care in doing it. And I just, I don't know, it was just one thing after another. First, the the sky a couple times, I screwed the sky up. I didn't get get it dark enough to get the sun glare and then... And then when I did get that done, then I started working down into the the land and trying to make, it's a winter scene, so I was trying to get this effect of glare on the ice and dry brushing. So I was combining, going right from the wet and the wet to the sky to the dry brush on the ice and the ground. And that was a, that's a tricky thing. And I I screwed that up about three times in a row. And like I said, that just has to work the first time. If it doesn't work, I just tear it up and start over again. Right. It's just something that, that I like to think about when I'm having a, a tough day in the studio is like, is that, is it an off day where, you know, I just flat out need more sleep or something like that? Is something external? Or oftentimes I think that it is because, not to get too, I don't know, new agey about it, but you unconsciously have learn something or realize something and your hands and your conscious brain hasn't really figured it out yet. That's so, a good way of, yeah, you, you realize your brain knows what you want to do, but your hand isn't quite caught up yet or your skill level or whatever. Actually, another good point of it is because it worked out so well the first time in a demo, I always tell people this too. Whenever I go into doing a painting with the the idea in mind that it's going to be my entry into a show or something like that. I will screw that painting up over and over again. <laughs> but if I just paint and, you know, have fun and be direct, I don't run into that for whatever reason. Whenever it's in your head that this is going to be the one, you know, this is going to really turn out nicely. It just just that little extra cautiousness or care or whatever it is that you have in your approach um, oftentimes leads to a mess so yeah I don't know I've had that experience with commission pieces I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the pressure or what it is but it's just all of a sudden you're like oh god yeah I oh commissions don't get me started (laughs) (laughs) that's another whole yeah exactly I don't enjoy doing commissions too often just because of that I tell people all the time I just want to paint what I want to paint and if they like it they can buy it because just the whole idea of having to put in you know 
everything that the client wants in the painting. And more often than not, it's something that they, they identify with or it's, it's their kids or their house or their boat or something that they, they want to make it look just like it. And, and that just slows you down right away and takes the life out of the painting. So Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it can be, I've had, a, not a lot, but a few really good experiences with that where I was either somehow comfortable with that person that I can try some new things, which keeps it fresh, mm-hmm. or just loving the subject matter. But yeah, I think when you have that both pressure and lack of connection with the subject, it's it, it, that's hard. <laughs> it is. It's tough. But it's a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah. So after you started painting kind of full time, I know that you entered um, the competition for American Watercolor Magazine Mm -hmm. and won that one and got on the cover. Were there maybe smaller moments or something that you took as a personal success? Oh, boy. Um, Am I asking the hard questions? (laughs) Yeah, you are. It's hard to think back that far. It's been Uh, so long. Yeah, just, you know, there's all sorts of, like I said, it started off locally in some of the the shows here for the Minnesota Watercolor Society. And then there's another one in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, the Red River Watercolor Society. And I've won some awards through them. And so, you know, every time... When you win an award, you kind of have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. I tell people all the time, you know, don't get too high and don't get too low. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. usually just one person's opinion or a small group's opinion. So uh, the American Watercolor Society thing, I, I got rejected about six, the first five, six years I applied. And then the first year I got in, I won bronze medal. So wow. you never know what's going to happen. Like I said, you can't. And then I got rejected last year, and now I'm back in again this year. So you can't take it too personally. It, it is what it is. And so if you're looking for that kind of thing for validation, it can be a very frustrating road, I think, because who knows what the judges are looking for. So I think more often than not, when, when sales start going well and you start getting into galleries and, and uh, people start buying your paintings and you can bump your prices up a little bit that's that's always a nice thing too so yeah i've had a few other deals there's a show on catalina island through the catalina island conservancy and it's been going on for a few years now it's it's to raise funds for the conservancy and i'm the first watercolorist to ever be invited to that show so that that was kind of nice too the california collectors tend to collect oil paintings and i've had real good success out there in that show so and then getting elected to, it's not a small thing, it's a huge thing, but getting uh, invited to be a signature member of PAPA, the Plain Air Painters of America, was a, was a huge validation for me. Uh, it's right. a very exclusive club, a uh, group of painters, and the best of the best. And to have those guys welcome me into their ranks was surprising and really nice. I imagine, yeah. Yeah, but like I said, there's there's plenty of other painters out there that I know that belong in that group too so yeah uh, yeah goes right back to it don't get too high and don't get too low just keep working and, and uh, I just enjoy painting you know I'd, I'm uh, I enter a few shows here and there but I don't I don't enter all of them that are out there by any means and you do a lot of <laughs> workshops too right you do those in Minnesota or throughout the United States? Oh, all you... over the place yeah uh, internationally really like I said I taught in, in Italy in October um, I've taught in Mexico, I've taught in Canada, I've taught in France, 
and then all over the United States and locally. But that workshop routine is just, it's amazing how many art clubs and groups that are out there that want you to, once your name gets into that loop, it just starts, it's a snowball effect and people will take your workshop, one, they'll travel and take a workshop and then they'll go back to their hometown and say, we should get this guy here for our group. And so just, I mean, you can teach and teach and teach, but I'm a homebody. I don't like to be gone too much, but there again, it's it's a nice way to get your name and face out there and meet more people. And I'm not a very good marketer, so that's one good way to make sure that you stay relevant is to uh, just keep teaching workshops. And has teaching the workshops impacted the way you work at all? Like having to explain what you're doing as you're doing it? That's a great question. Yeah, uh, it actually has. I didn't always do do uh, value studies, and I started teaching value studies in my workshops just a, a few years ago to get students to see the big shapes and simplify scenes down. And once I started doing that in the workshops, I realized, boy, my, if I do a little value study myself, my paintings are usually stronger. And I've always been able to see in terms of value more so than color. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the vast majority of painters really struggle with that, at least in the workshops I've found. They, they see the colors, but they don't really see the values. So I, I didn't always do value studies because I always thought I saw the values clearly enough. But if I take that extra five, ten minutes even before a painting and do a quick value study, it really helps me to work, to paint faster. And I have a much clearer vision of my end result. So in that way, it's, it's helped my painting a lot. Yeah, it's, I think that value studies are often overlooked because it just feels like that is... Well, I don't know. That's something that I had to do a lot, a lot in school. So sometimes it feels like it's this like such a basic exercise. You know, it's just people don't do it because it's one of the basic things, and most people think, oh, "I'm beyond that." Yeah, or you know, if you're a musician and you you spent your your entire adolescence practicing your scales and yeah. go back to that, but it makes such a it does make a really big difference in exactly what you're saying. Working out all those problems before you start on the painting, and also seeing seeing things clearly and maybe just switching gears and grouping different things together it comes it just comes out better almost without fail it's amazing just making those little compositional choices and seeing the big shapes and like i said with watercolor once you start putting the brush to paper you you just got to keep moving i mean it's things are drying on you you don't have time to mess around and you know slow down and try and figure out what you're doing at that stage so just to have a real, a much clearer vision once you start painting in color from the value study has been very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Talking your way through the whole process sometimes in a workshop, but it can get a little tedious, you know. But when you're explaining things and people ask you a question from time to time, and it's one of those deals where after a while, when you're painting, everything just kind of gets kind of on cruise control, you know. You just put it on automatic and a question will come up and you have to kind of pause and think, why, why am I doing this? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> you tell them just because I felt like it, but there's usually some kind of a reason you're doing that. So it's kind of nice to get that interaction with students when you're up there doing a demo painting. Yeah, I would imagine because it, it does force you to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And along those same, same lines, having traveled to all those different places that you mentioned, like China and Mexico and Canada, I mean, they're so different from each other. Has, do you feel like that has changed your vision of yourself as an artist? I don't know if it's changed my vision of as an artist, but it, it's definitely kept me motivated. Um, and, and just to see all the new locations, you know, every place has its own feel, the, the people, the buildings, the culture, everything. So it just 
helps to get you jazzed up, you know, excited again. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being in the Midwest. I love painting around here in, in the United States. But, um, you know, just to go see a new locale, like I said, and new different architecture, different people, different light, mm-hmm. uh, kind of important to rock your world once in a while and, and experience that and and uh, keep pushing forward and trying to figure out a whole new uh, color palette sometimes or, or uh, you know, you have to get used to how fast the paint is drying on your paper if you're painting outdoors in a new location. And so, yeah, it, right. it, has, it hasn't really changed my vision. I, I know how I want to paint, but it's just it's more so just the fact of, of um, just kind of getting excited again. Yeah, it's refreshing, and it uh, anytime you pull yourself out of your normal routine, whether it's through traveling or, like you said, teaching, having people ask you questions, or even just switching mediums, it does do that to you. It forces you to to not go. You can't go on autopilot. No, it just you just become too comfortable. It's a it's a very tricky balance. I tell people all the time. Don't keep changing your paints or changing you know your materials. Watercolor is hard enough, but you do, you know, once in a while, I'll try a new paper or something or whatever, or a different kind of a brush here and there. But for the most part, the materials that when I'm using the materials, I want to make sure that I know how this brush is going to act. I know how my paints are going to react on the paper and how they're going to mix with each other and all that stuff. And then I can just paint. So I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> 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 we were talking about um we were talking about uh switching gears and freshening things up but it sounds like there has to be a certain amount of stability right like there has to be some things that you can go on autopilot with i think so that then when you are inspired by by something whether it's a technique or the way the water's hitting the painting or whatever it is you can kind of explore that without having to focus so much on what that brush is going to, like you're not thinking, you know what's going to happen when you take that brush and you put it in that color, like how much it's going to absorb and, and you know, what it's going to do on that paper. So all yeah. that stuff can you can eliminate and you can just concentrate on whatever it is that is inspiring you or you want to kind of go off on. Yeah, I always uh, use this metaphor when I'm teaching a workshop. It's like when you're first learning how to golf, and you have a, a golf pro or instructor or whatever telling you to keep your elbow straight, keep your wrist locked, keep your thumb pointed down, keep your head down, bend your knees, this and that. You know, there's 50 things you have to think about while you're trying to swing a golf club. And it's so awkward, you know, but you just go to the range, go to the driving range and keep working on that stuff. And then pretty soon all that kind of stuff is just muscle memory and it, it becomes automatic and then you start refining your game that's the same thing with painting you know when i teach a workshop i, I can just see the faces of people after the one day you know all the information i've given them and it just bombard them with all these things they have to think about yeah. when they're working painting and they're just kind of you know they're painting like the world's crashing on their shoulders and I tell them don't worry about it it's a lot of stuff but just keep doing that keep working with your materials keep working with your brushes you know learn how to how the washes are going to react the timing of when you can go back in pretty soon all that stuff is just muscle memory you know it's the keeping your head down but you need all that stuff and then then you can start refining your technique and worrying about the little stuff and that's when you really make a big jump yeah. It takes time. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's a lot like, um, I mean, I hope the listeners aren't getting sick of me saying this, but but it's fresh in my mind because, you know, when I, I moved here to Argentina, I didn't really know Spanish so well. And so I had to think so hard about everything that I, that came out <laughs> of my mouth, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> and by the end of the day, just like I would just have this enormous headache. And um, going out to public places when you when there's a lot of people and a lot of noise around you, if it's something that you're used to, it's, if it's your native language, you without thinking about it, you just turn things off. Mm-hmm. so that you can focus on either what you want to say or the conversation that you're having. And I think there's a parallel with that with painting, like you're saying, that once you get that vocabulary, once you get those techniques down, then you can use them without concentrating so hard on them so that, that you can then explore other things and really take your work to a different level. Most definitely, yeah. So can you, um, so we, like, I, I did make you tell the story again about the painting that you were working on, um, yesterday, but was there, (laughs) I won't go back to that one, but I'd like to, (laughs) I like to ask about, you know, times in your career, times in your, in your journey as an artist where things weren't, things didn't really go the way that you had planned. And most importantly, what you took away from that or what you learned from it. So is there some period in your that you can think of or some moment where, where it just did not turn out the way you wanted it? Oh, I, I think that happens um, constantly, actually. <laughs> I mean, as you're going on, like I said, you think you got it all figured out, it'll just slap you right back down again. So, you know, it just... It is what it is. The the economy is fickle. You never know. As soon as you think you're on a roll and, and sales are good, then you'll have a show where, where nothing sells and and then they start to question yourself again. But, but yeah, I don't know. I guess um the main thing is when you when you have shows and you get all excited about it and you you know, invest a lot of time and money on framing and putting everything together and you're excited about the opening of the show and even if you get good feedback from the people that are there for the opening night or something and but when when you don't have many red dots that's kind of a tough deal and boy i'm trying to think here and again the applying to the american watercolor society because i had won a lot of more local awards and and even you know some some other bigger watercolor societies right when some of the awards and i just kept getting rejected over and over again by the american watercolor society but i I tell people just keep plugging away there are a lot of good painters out there i mean and it's you never know like i said the jury of selection is only three or four people i think and who knows if they have everybody has their own tastes in painting you know as much as you try and get around that by having specific criteria you know, we're all affected by that, and judges are no different. So you can't get too down on that kind of stuff. And then vice versa, like I said, if you win a big award, you can't feel like, oh, I've arrived and I can rest on my laurels. That doesn't work either. Right. Because, uh, yeah, you got to keep plugging away. So. so it sounds like your philosophy is pretty... Um, Just keep painting, man. Just keep painting. That's, <laughs> that's It takes so much time. <laughs> my friend Joe always says... Uh, a great analogy. We live in this microwave society. Everybody wants instant results, you know, and it has to have success now. And people start getting their work. They try and get their work into galleries before they're ready. Mm-hmm. They get really upset if they don't get into shows or they're not winning awards at shows or whatever. And they think, you know, all their their friends and family have been telling them how great they are for the past five years, and then they're not. They can't understand why they're not winning some awards and. You know, it just it takes a lot of time. I've been painting for 20 years, and I'm just now, I've gotten into AWS my second time. Hopefully, I'll 
get signature membership here soon. But um, you know, you just have to realize that uh, it's a it's a long haul, right? How to handle the medium and make progress? Because like I said, there are a lot of good painters out there, and it takes a lot of work to stand out. Yeah, and to reach a level where you are mastering your craft. Yeah, yeah. And so it sounds like the the kind of Andy Evanson philosophy is very zen. There you go. <laughs> just keep One going. Thing, my, my kids have never called me zen. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids have never called you that. <laughs> it's the secret. It's the secret of being a parent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. Take it as it comes. <laughs> Close your eyes and meditate. <laughs> exactly. This will pass. This is fine. Yeah. But it sounds so simple, and it's easy to sort of dismiss it. But I can imagine after, what did you say, that you had attempted to get in there six times? Like maybe the yeah. fourth or fifth time, you're like, <sighs> 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 Or yeah, I'm never gonna get in, you know. And, but in the long in the long scheme of things, it was only four years, five years, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be you can't be uh, in such a rush for for instant success. And the time comes, and um, I've just plugged away slowly and and surely. And it, it's it all. I mean, it all started out with a couple of little local awards and teaching that teaching little Thursday night classes to beginning beginners in a community college and stuff and and now you know 20 years later I'm teaching in Italy and and showing up to Selma Gundy Club for the American Watercolor Society and member of Papa but there's still you know like I said when you see the exhibits of the master watercolorists there's a long ways to go yet and that's the exciting thing you know right so what are you working on right now um at this moment uh, I, I'm a, I'm a soul. <laughs> what are you doing right now, Andy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, are you? Is there a particular? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a solo show coming up in the Twin Cities here. Um, the opening is in, uh, in beginning of March at the Wilcock Gallery, and um, I told them I'd have about thirty, thirty-five paintings in the show, and I have a few, <laughs> few yet to do. Um, so I've been. Trying to work on that. Uh, I've also been submitting work just recently. I should hear this week. There's another show for the Plein Air Painters of America at the Salma Gundy Club, and they had a jury selection for that, and the results are coming out this week. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I'll get in there. I just got back from California painting on Catalina Island. That show every year, they have about 10 artists, and we can each exhibit around a dozen paintings. And they like to get a, a balance of paintings done on site and paintings done in the studio. So I did about 20 plein air watercolors on the island that week, and maybe five or six of them I like good enough to pop in a frame. And then so now I need to start working on my studio pieces for that. And I've got to start plein air painting a little more to get in the groove. I'm one of the, the stage artists at the big plein air convention in Monterey in April, so i got to get get to make sure I'm in the groove when that comes out, so... A lot of good That's stuff. A big one. Yeah, it sounds like it. And are those shows coming up pretty fast? Yeah, the opening is March sixth. So um, That's fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop freaking me out. But <laughs> <laughs> you've got plenty of time. I mean, if you can knock out twenty paintings in a week on Catalina Island, this is nothing. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd, I'd get about three or four plein air watercolors a day done. So um, just depending on, we'd get up at sunrise and get a painting done at sunrise and then maybe get another one done later in the morning and then kind of take the early afternoon off and do another one later afternoon. And then if the weather worked out, maybe do another one towards sunset. And 
So it's exhausting, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's another thing that on the surface, I think when you tell people what you do as an artist, that you're a plein air painter, that you go out and paint, they're like, oh, wow, it's so nice just to be able to work whenever you want to, or, you know, or wow, what a dream, that's so relaxing. And, you know, if you're really taking it seriously, it is all of that, but it's also, you know, it's also intense. It is. I mean, we just crashed. I, I'm a, kind of a night owl, and that whole week, I was lights out by eight thirty and asleep by nine. I think it just wow. exhausted. You know, it just it takes so much mental focus. You know, to work on one painting, let alone three or four in a day, and um, yeah. it de- definitely feel the effects of it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go into um, the lightning round. They're just really quick questions that I like to ask all the people that come onto the show. So if you'll indulge me with that. Family food, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get a buzzer for it or something. Yeah. (laughs) Do you listen to music when you paint? Uh, Not not so much because... uh, my favorite kind of music, uh, you know, I was a kid growing up in the 70s, so I still like the old 70s classic rock stuff and everything. So once in a while, I'll have that on in the background, but yeah, not too much. Uh, once in a while, I, I've got a playlist on my iTunes, a jazz playlist, that's so kind of nice. But then, you know, jazz is pretty upbeat, too, and it affects your your, your brushstrokes. You know, I'm <laughs> tapping my foot and everything. Pretty, I paint fast enough as it is, though. Having the music pushing me even faster. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of concentration that I don't want something in the background distracting me when I'm painting or, uh, you know, even the lyrics to the tunes or something. If you find yourself humming or whatever, um, can be a little distracting. So I, if I paint fast enough, you know, usually in the studio, a couple hours, an hour or two with a break here and there or something, and it's done. But the time that I'm painting, it's, it's pretty intense and, um, you know, I just go for it and hope that it works out. So, right. Do you have a dream project? If there were no restrictions on time or money, do you, is there something that you a project that you've always wanted to do? Yeah, I've been wanting to write a book for a long time, but boy, the the time and the, and the work that's involved. That I keep hearing from people, oh, you can do it. You know, there's all these online deals to do it, but just. You know, I like to write. That was one of my favorite things when I was president of the Minnesota Watercolor Society. I had to write a column every time the newsletter came out, the president's column. And I put a lot of time and thought into it, and I'd rewrite it about six times and make sure it sounded good. And and a couple of the articles I've had in American Artist Magazine, I was asked, they asked me if I could write it. Then just one article, you know, five, six pages long, took forever to write. So... That's something that I haven't had much time to do yet, but uh, my goal is to get there soon. Hopefully in the next few years, my youngest kid, our son Wes, is going off to school. Uh, He'll be in college next year, and I think uh, I might have some more time to concentrate on something like that. What kind of book do you want to write? I don't want to do another how-to book. There's so many of those doggone things already, Mm -hmm. but I'd like to to do something where my favorite art art books personally are the ones that are almost like a, a gallery type of a book where you're just looking at the paintings and you get a little bit of background and insight into the artist's life and their process. And and then they can explain, you know, maybe break it down into sections about, you know, cityscapes or, you know, seascapes and that kind of thing a little bit and have a, a selection of those types of paintings involved. And I, I'd like to have a chapter or two at the beginning talking about the value studies that I was talking about because that seems to be something that's really been a hit in my workshops with students that they've really, you know, learned quite a bit from those. So mm-hmm. like I said, I don't, it wouldn't be, you know, too much of a how-to book. 
maybe a few step by steps and and uh, just a lot of nice color examples in there. Just something that'd be nice to look at for people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you I hope you get to do it. I would love to see it. Good. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> if you could own a piece of art by any living artist, what would it be, or whose? Oh my gosh! Holy mackerel! Well, my uh, some of my favorite watercolorists. I'm lucky enough to own watercolors by them, um, living artists, anyways. So I own a Trevor Chamberlain and Joseph's Bookvich and some Alvaro Castaneds and Eric Weigart, and so those guys are kind of my favorite watercolor painters alive right now. A Richard Schmid painting, I think, would be um, really nice to have. Yeah, yeah. I love his work. Always have. And then uh, I've been lucky enough even to trade some paintings with some of these oil painters and, and Papa, the Plein Air Painters of America. So I have a few nice oil paintings. And boy, that's a tough question. I think, Isn't uh, it? yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm lucky enough to own some nice paintings from some of the people that I admire the most. But I'd like to own an original Charles Reed, too. His books got me really excited about watercolor at an early age. And he's such an icon in the watercolor world. I'd love to own one of his old old figure paintings that he did back in the 70s or 80s. I think that'd be so cool. Oh, God. Yeah, that would be amazing. Do you have a painting a painting of yours that you always that you'll always keep? Yeah, it's one of my first best uh, plein air paintings. I did it in China. And it was a village, uh, I call it Village Doorway. And I, there might be two versions of it on my website. I'm not sure. I kept a little plein air painting. It's hanging in our dining room. But plein air painting is so doggone hard. And I tell people a lot that my success rate, plein air painting, is maybe 25%. You know, one in four might turn out good enough to pop into a frame. But um, that one just really came together nicely. I've, I've always had a special place in my heart for that painting. And then... Um, I sold a painting that I, I put it up for sale, the one in the American Watercolor Society show. I always told myself if I get into that show, I'm going to keep the painting, but I put it for sale and it sold. It's gone. So I, I think the maybe if I get accepted one more time, I'll get signature membership and whatever painting I get into the show to get signature membership. Uh, that's what, uh, another one I'll keep. But uh, a keeper. Yeah. What book would you recommend to Savvy Painters? Oh, um, my favorite books to look at, the Trevor Chamberlain books that I own. He has one that's just on watercolor. I think it's called Light and Atmosphere in Watercolor. That's such a fantastic book. Trevor Chamberlain, he's a British watercolorist, and he does oil paintings too. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned so much about painting watercolor just by obsessing over that book and looking at his watercolors over and over again. Joseph's Bookvich has a has a really good book out on painting watercolors as well. And he breaks it down. It's kind of a how-to book, and he talks a lot about the timing and the consistency of washes and stuff. It's pretty beneficial to people who are starting out in watercolor, I think. Nice. Very yeah. cool. What advice would you give to you, yourself, the artist that you were 10 years ago? Oh, my gosh. I'm mean, are, aren't I? <laughs> these are hard questions. <laughs> What I give to myself ten years. I can't remember what was ten years ago. Two thousand and four. I don't even remember what was going on then. But maybe, uh, maybe make more time to try and paint every day. Um, when I see, I was. I'm still kind of juggling two careers. I do the medical art still at this point, and I'm even though I'm doing more and more watercolor work. But you know, it's just too easy to let life take over and make up excuses, and it doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. To just have, have a little table set up and a spot in your house with your supplies set out so that you don't have to, you know, get all 
set up to paint, but you can just kind of cruise over there and grab a piece of paper and do a quick painting. And I mean, even a half an hour, just something to keep your brush on the paper and keep moving. I'd make a lot faster progress. And that's probably what I would tell myself back then. Um, I paint, I try to paint almost every day now, but that was, it's been a long time coming. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's easy to let life get in the way. And I think, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like not guilty for painting, but that, like, you know, that it, that it is such a beautiful life that we have that sometimes I feel like, okay, I should be doing, you know, this is, I can do that a little bit later. I have to do X, Y, Z first and, and pretty Absolutely. soon the day's gone. Absolutely. And like you said, it's, and it's the, the perceptions of other people play into that too. You know, when, when you have other things that need to be done, it's tough to tell people I'm going to go paint, you know, right now. And I, like, what, you know, <laughs> Why don't you just go, you know, play or something? But yeah. um, it's it's work. It's it's a lot of hard work, and yeah, it's unfortunate. And we're all in the same boat. You know, life takes over. The lawn needs mowing. The laundry needs done, being done, and all this other stuff. Especially, you know, working from home. There's so many distractions that gets tough, also. But but um, it, it wouldn't have been too hard to make more of an effort to paint even just a little bit every day. And that's the best advice I can give people. I think. Nice. Very cool. And in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have the plein air convention in Monterey. And actually, um, I'm going to be at the uh, Monterey convention. So I'll stop by and introduce you myself are? in person. I am. I am. I actually like bought the tickets. I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Great. I look to meeting you. That's yeah. I um. Yeah. Frequent flyer miles, man. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Boy, they pull in a lot of people to that thing. I, I have no idea what to expect if I'm going to be on stage in front of you know 60 people or 400 I, I have no idea it sounds like they have a lot of stuff going on at the same time where people have options of what stage to go to and everything but um, this will be a little intimidating yeah yeah I could imagine that being on stage and stuff but I think that this will be the first time I've gone I've never gone to it before but um it seems like it's getting a lot more popular like I hear a lot more people talking about it and at least in the plain air circles people really look forward to it and get a lot out of it and plus people are really excited that I guess before they didn't really have time for people to go out and paint together as groups or whatever so now they're gonna do that every day which from what I'm hearing people are very excited about it so (laughs) I'll be out there doing it every day yeah yeah (laughs) all right thank you so much Andy my pleasure I can't wait to, to hear how I sound you sound great you sound great (laughs) wonderful thanks so much i appreciate it and just one last quick question when people want to see more of your work where should they go my website is www.andyevenson.com and it's a-n-d-y-e-v-a-n-s-e-n.com and that has usually has my new work and my workshops and shows and stuff on there so fantastic yeah thank you so much i appreciate it Thanks, Andres.